Well, welcome to Downtown Harbor Church, everybody. Happy Easter. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here. You know, one of the things that um, I do from the stage oftentimes here at DHC is promise, um, especially when we have holidays like this, that we're not going to be churchy, that we're not going to have a churchy feel. And then I heard the word potluck during the announcement. So <laughs> I figured I failed on that one. So I figured I'd just do one more churchy thing as we begin. He is risen. He is risen indeed, right? When did Indeed get put in there? Like, who came up with that, right? But it's been around for years, and I don't really get it, but it's there. So um, I am super excited that you are here, and I'm super excited that you're here as we wrap up our 12-week conversation series, whatever you want to call it, called The Big Story. Because one of the things that our team did at the beginning of this year was we kind of sat down around the table and we said, okay, if I were sitting at Downtown Harbor Church for any length of time, and I've been hearing some things, or maybe I'm brand new to the local church. One of the questions that we would be asking is this, how does this all tie together, right? We've heard a lot of these names before, Jesus, Peter, Paul, Abraham, Isaac, how does all that work together? And furthermore, just so you know, if you want to find out how it all works together, you can catch up on any one of these 12 weeks at our website, SoFloChurch.com. As always, our audio will be there. But much to the chagrin of the budget committee at Downtown Harbor Church, I have props that describe every one of these weeks that we have been going through. And so I want to take you down a trip down memory lane, just in case you might not remember where we've been, or maybe you haven't been here before and it's your first time. Because the first First thing that we did is we talked about creation. We talked about how God created the world and everything in it. And it started with two individuals and God created the world. And those two individuals broke God's law so God threw them out of the magnificent paradise. But those two individuals had descendants. And one of their descendants sometime later was named Abraham. And God said to a man named Abraham, Abraham, I choose you. I choose you to bless your descendants. Your descendants will be blessed and be known as the nation of Israel. Well, sometime later, Abraham had a descendant, and his name was Jacob. And sure enough, Jacob had a number of sons, the youngest of which was named Joseph. And Joseph, you might know from that famous Broadway musical, which is surprisingly biblically accurate, called Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, because he had that coat of many colors. But his brothers, who because Joseph was Jacob's favorite son, they didn't like Joseph very much. So they decided to sell Joseph into slavery. And Joseph wound up in slavery in Egypt. But as always, throughout this big story, God promised never to leave. Joseph. So Joseph actually ended up in charge of all of Egypt. And when famine hit Israel, their homeland, Joseph's brothers had no choice but to come to Egypt and beg for food, right? And Joseph forgave his brothers. And the nation of Israel actually was dwelling in Egypt. But lo and behold, they had descendants, and their descendants had descendants. And the ancient nation of Egypt started to get nervous when the Israelites started to get very large, right? They started to almost outpopulate the nation of Egypt. So they imprisoned and enslaved some of those Israelites. In fact, they became slaves. But sometime later, God would call to a man in this big story named Moses. 
he would call to a man named Moses in a burning bush and he would say to Moses, Moses, it's your job to go and tell Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, to let my people go. And sure enough, after plague after plague, he did let those ancient Israelites go. And those ancient Israelites, in fact, made it back to their promised land, where it was a sweet land where they ended up. And sure enough, that land where they ended up had to establish a government. So they had a system of judges over a course of time, and then a system ran by a king. We talked about one of the most famous people in the history of the world, King David, who actually slayed a giant by the name of Goliath, and then, at the end of his life, after he was a fierce warrior, actually made some mistakes. He wasn't perfect, just like all of us are not perfect. And sure enough, he ended up having a son with a woman by the name of Bathsheba. And that son's name was Solomon. King Solomon was a writer. We also talked about him. He wrote two books in the Bible, the big story. He wrote Song of Solomon, and then he wrote Proverbs. Song of Solomon, this ancient book of love between two human beings, physical love. They had to bring me water on stage as I was reading from that book, right? And then he wrote this ancient book of wisdom called Proverbs, which we looked at. And then sometime later, we talked about a queen, a queen named Esther who had to show a massive amount of courage in a time when women were extremely oppressed to save her people, and she did. And then, evidently, the prop budget got a little light because we had to talk about Daniel. And I said to the people, I said, where did you get this prop? I said, save the receipt and return it after we're done. This prop is brutal. Who got this? Anyway, we talked about Daniel and a man who stood in conviction when he was told to pray to a king, and he said, "Eh, eh, I'm only going to pray to my God. And we spent a whole week on Daniel. And then finally, throughout all of the people that I just talked about, there was one common thread, one common truth throughout it. They prophesied the Messiah. That because those people so long ago broke God's law and were thrown out of the garden, the magnificent paradise, the only thing that could make a human being right with God was the Messiah, the Savior of the world, who would go and walk this earth and then predict his own death and resurrection. And should you believe in him, you are made right with God the Father. Then we finally spent one week talking about Jesus. And we actually took our first communion together as a local church. In two and a half years, we finally made that leap, and it was a powerful time. And Jesus, that week we talked about Jesus, it was so impactful and so powerful because we ended by just saying Jesus is who he said that he was. He proved that he was the Messiah, and we're going to celebrate that as we talk about how he proved that today. But see, we would normally think that once the prophesied Messiah comes, the big story's over. The big story is done. But sure enough, Jesus needed people to help carry his gospel out. Jesus needed people to carry his message out. And one of the guys who he used was a guy by the name of Peter. A guy who, boy, oh boy, did not have it all together. He made a lot of mistakes. He doubted. He questioned. He even denied knowing Jesus. And Jesus said, I choose you. You are the rock in which I will build my church. You are the vessel to spread the truth that is this rock. And then I believe we had one of our most powerful messages to date at Downtown Harbor Church. When we talked about a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene. A woman who was broken who was demon-possessed, and Jesus healed her. And then she followed after him and helped spread his message. In fact, after the resurrection, which is what we're going to talk about today, he appeared to her first. 
changing the course of humanity, changing the course of history. And then last week, we talked about a guy by the name of Paul, a guy who was a writer, a guy who wrote letters to the early churches, young leaders in the early church, instructing them on how to live and what to do. And Paul, who was basically a criminal, a murderer, was transformed by Jesus on this road called the road to Damascus, and his life was changed. So we're looking at the big story, right, from start to finish. Talked about a lot of folks. Who's there left to talk about? If we've talked about all these people and gone through now 11 weeks of this stuff, who is there left to talk about? Adam, you've covered it all. Sure, there's some minor players who we may not have talked about. Who's the only person left that we could land on on Easter Sunday? Who's the only person left that we could dive into and look at the life of? Who's the one person that has the ability to transform our lives and transform our communities and worlds around us? Who is it? you and it's me it's you and it's me see here's the deal most of us think that with the coming of the messiah the big story is over here's what i want you to know if you think that with the coming of the messiah the big story is over here's just what i want you to know it isn't over Furthermore, a lot of people confuse the big story. Do you want to know what a lot of people think? Don't miss this and don't misunderstand this. Hear me out. This is so key. A lot of people think that this book, the Bible, which we would call the big story, is the foundation of the Christian faith. A lot of people would say, yes, from start to finish, this book encompasses God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and this is the foundation of our faith. Here's what I want you to know. That is not true. Don't misunderstand this. This book is a journey for a people attempting to know their creator and then understanding who the Messiah is, understanding that if they give their life over to him, that they are made right with the creator of the universe. But this book itself is not the foundation of our faith. And let me tell you why. None of this that I've talked about already, none of this matters if not for one event. None of this matters if not for one event. If this one event which we celebrate today didn't happen, all these people were just good people who had bad prophecy. If this one event that we celebrate today didn't happen, this is all for naught and it's just history instead of the alive word of God. And here's the event that we celebrate that is the foundation of our faith. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We celebrate the coming back to life of the risen Messiah. We celebrate the coming back to life of the one who was prophesied by all these people. Because if he doesn't come back to life, none of this matters. If he doesn't rise from the grave and appear to his disciples and ascend to heaven, proving that he was who he said that he was, this is all just good information. So... Here's what I want to talk to you about related to Jesus. Because Jesus, when he walked the earth, he was not too popular with the government of the time. Let me change this a little bit. He specifically wasn't too popular with the religious leaders of the time. Those of the institution. Those who held the scrolls. Those who controlled the temple. You want to know why? 
because his message was different. His message was different than theirs. He was walking the earth claiming to be the living son of God, claiming to be the Messiah, preaching for the first time ever a message of hope and grace and restoration and redemption and love. Those were not common themes back in the day. And the government, the religious leaders were scared that he was going to change things, scared that this movement, this love your neighbor as yourself movement was going to take over. And they were scared to lose control of their power. So what did they do? They arrested him. This man who did nothing wrong. And they put him on trial. Jesus was put on trial. And you know what? They couldn't find anything wrong with him. They couldn't find that he did anything wrong. But they decided that he should be put to death anyway. And so they sentenced him to a death outside the city of Jerusalem on a hillside. A death that is one of the most gruesome, brutal, painful things that a person can experience. And that death is called a crucifixion. Where he was put on that hillside, nailed to a wooden cross with his hands and his feet. And sure enough, after he suffered and suffered and suffered, in that moment something happened. Then Jesus died. Then Jesus died. The scripture confirms this. The scripture confirms this in the book of Mark, chapter 15, verse 37. Here's what it says. It says, then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. Well, after they took Jesus down off the cross, they buried him in a tomb. The tomb belonged to a guy by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. Arimathea. And sure enough, tombs were kind of sought after in this day and age. And this Joseph of Arimathea, he had this tomb where he was going to be buried at some point. And sure enough, it was a high-value piece of real estate. And it's documented by scholars. It's documented by biblical studiers throughout history that people approached this Joseph of Arimathea, who was a man of the time who would have been known. And they said, Joseph, this is your tomb. Why in the world would you give it to Jesus? And Joseph said, well, I knew he'd only be there for the weekend. <laughs> because you know what? A lot can happen in three days. And a lot can happen in three days. And Jesus proved after dying and after being placed in that tomb, Jesus proved that he was the risen Messiah that he claimed to be. And if you're following along or there's a Bible by you and you want to open it with us to Matthew chapter 28, you can do so. If you want to look on your mobile device, you can. But as always, it will be on our screens. Here's, here's what it is. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene, don't miss this, this is so key. Mary Magdalene, the broken person who he saved was there. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. Imagine seeing this trans or transform before your very eyes. The angel then said to the women, don't be afraid. You, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. I love that. So bluntly. He's not here. 
He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. The women ran quickly from the tomb. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And as and ran to him, grasped his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said something that I think we can all relate to. Because the angel said it too. Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee. And they will see me there. And then Jesus said something confirming he was God, confirming he was the Messiah, confirming he was who he said that he was. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Basically going, I am God. The prophesied Messiah that you've been waiting for, he's here and he just proved it. Jesus wasn't dead. Jesus wasn't dead. Death could not hold him. The one thing that no one else could conquer on this earth, Jesus conquered, proving that he was the Messiah, proving that he was who he said that he was. Death could not hold him down. The risen Messiah was alive. The risen Messiah was walking the earth, appearing to the followers of him. He was not dead. That tomb couldn't hold him. So we talk about the big story. We talk about the big story. We've spent 12 weeks in this. And if you were to read this, you'd go, okay, we're done. He's here. He came. But I talked about you. That you are a part of the big story. And you're the last piece of it. Because before Jesus ascended back to heaven, you want to know what he did? He gave his disciples... And his followers, clear instructions. So clear that we can't question them. So clear that they could never be debated. So clear that we could never pick apart that we are not a part of this massive big story. And here's what he said in Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20. Here's what he said. He said, therefore, go and make disciples, followers of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to say, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I love this so much. He said, you're not alone. I'll never leave you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go out and do something, he said. Once you say yes to me, which by the way, if you're in this room and you haven't done that, you should do that. It was the very best decision that I ever made in my entire life was saying yes to Jesus. When he enters your life and heart and he proves to you that he is the Messiah and changes your life, you can go do different things and you should go out and lean into people that you've never leaned into before being a part of this big story. Because here's the point as we wrap this big story, here's what I want you to know. The big story isn't over. The big story is not over. In fact, the big story is just beginning. And you are a part of it. It is up to you to figure out. Here's the point, right? It's up to you to find your place in it. Because you know what you have? You have only what you have. 
You have your story. You have your journey. You have only what you can do. You have your resources. You're the only person who can do what you can do. And Jesus, if you let him, will transform your life in a different direction so that you can lean into this big story in a different way, radically changing your life, radically changing this world, radically changing your communities. That's what happens when you allow this Messiah into your life and you say yes to being a part of this story. But I'll tell you this. You better get started. Because I don't know if you know this. And by the way, I got to tell a funny story that's a side note. You got to hear about this. This was not our original prop. This thing, you saw us move this thing so carefully. What in the, we should have bought more lions. What in the world we were thinking buying breakable props was unbelievable. We went through two hourglasses, right? We turned them over. We went through an hourglass on the first week and we went through one during the first service. And you, brutal, but you know what? That's just God's way of waking you up going, it's not all about you and that stupid hourglass. Get yourself a clock, buddy, okay? We got the clock. There's a little dust on it. We pulled it from backstage. Here's the deal. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I just got to laugh about it again because we had to have like a staff meeting in between. It was just one of those things, right? So great. Anyway, here's the deal. This is the only thing that you can't get more of. One thing, time. And each one of us has time that is running out. And not every single one of us is going to be here as long as the other. And you know what? That's okay. But it's about making the most of the time that we have. You know why? Because you only have so much time. You only have so much time to figure out your part in this story. Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And we celebrate that Jesus can enter our hearts in life. And that's true. And I believe it with every ounce of my being. But you know what else I believe? I believe that if we're going to use what we have, the only things that we have to influence for him, we have to recognize all the time that we have left and we don't have a lot. If you've been around downtown Harbor Church for any length of time, you've heard this story before. But I've been up here almost every week for three years. So eventually I run out of stories. So I'm going to tell it again, but the truth is, the fact of the matter is, is that many of you have never been in this room before. So first of all, just welcome right where you're at. Second, my favorite movie of all time is A League of Their Own, about the all-American girls professional baseball league that started during World War II when men were at war, starring Tom Hanks as Jimmy Dugan and Gina Davis as Dottie Henson. You want to check me on if, my, if, on if it's my favorite movie? I named the dog after Dottie Henson. That is not a joke. Find me on Facebook. She's all over the place. Much to your annoyance, hide her if you want. She'll still be posted about, okay? Here is what happened in this movie. The end of the film, Dottie, the star player of the Rockford Peaches, had had enough. And she had decided to wrap it up. And she had decided to leave. As she was packing her car, and getting ready to leave, Tom Hanks' character approached her. And he said, where are you going? And she goes, it just got too hard. I couldn't do it anymore. Side note, being a part of the big story is hard. It's not easy. You want to know what Tom Hanks said to her? That I'll never, ever forget. I almost think of it every day of my life. Tom Hanks said to her, because Tom Hanks at the end of his career as a baseball player was an alcoholic for five years. And he said, Dottie, 
He said, I gave away five years at the end of my career to drink. Five years. And now there isn't anything that I wouldn't give to get back any one day of it. Don't waste time, he said, because you can't get it back. You'll never get it back. So I say the same thing to you. Jump into the big story. Don't waste your time. You'll never get it back. And the truth is, the fact of the matter is, what I love so much about this room is that everybody's role in this big story is different. My role is different than your role. Your role is different than your role. All of our roles are different. Don't waste your time. Use what time you have that's running out to realize that you have the opportunity to influence right where you're at, that you have the opportunity to change, that you have the opportunity to do things that no one else can do. And gang, here's the last thing I want to say. I have sat across the table from you, and I've sat, you've sat across the table from me, and here's what I want you to know. There are many of us in this room, dare I say all of us in this room, who are broken people, just like Mary Magdalene was broken, and we deal with stuff. Don't give up. Don't take yourself out of the big story. Jesus will never give up on you. Don't give up on being a part of what he will do through your life. Don't do it. So what's the practical? Every week at Downtown Harbor Church, we put this word on the screen. And we say, what's the practical? Because we want everybody who comes in to a room like this to hear exactly what they hear on Sunday and then put it into practice on Monday. We're so passionate about that, right? What's the practical? So first of all, let me give you a very practical practical, okay? I, just, that was, I don't know why I said practical practical, but that's what I said, all right? And this is no problem for this church. The people that I know and have interacted with, this is no problem, and I'm just going to encourage you to do it, right? Here's the deal. Celebrate Easter, okay? Get out of here in a few minutes after we're done. Go celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Go celebrate that this Messiah came to earth. And made humanity right with God should they believe in it. Celebrate. Don't celebrate too hard. Don't end up in jail, okay? Jail is bad. I would not endorse jail in any way, okay? Don't go there, okay? Bad things, ha I've never been, but that's what I've heard, okay? So, yeah, it was so funny. I was driving along the road with one of my friends one time. We passed a jail, and I go, oh, look, jail. I go, uh, never been, you? This person goes, yeah. I go, oh, really? Tell me the story. Couldn't wait to hear, okay? It was kind of fun. It's unfortunate, but anyway, we made it through it, okay? Celebrate Easter. Second thing is this. Find your place. Oh, boy, find your place. You owe it to yourself to find your place. You owe it to Jesus to find your place. You owe it to those around you to find your place because here's what I want you to know, and I believe this with all of my heart and all of my being, with every fiber of who I am. There is someone around you who needs your love and support and needs to hear your story. There is someone who is around you who is struggling, who is suffering, who needs the restoration and redemption of Jesus. There is someone around you who Jesus has strategically placed in your life because they need you right where you're at. Find your place. And if you've not found a local church home, here's the deal I just want you to know about DHC. This is some of the most normal, loving, energetic people that we've ever encountered. I've never seen people like this place. There's, this is just a judgment-free zone for the first time ever in my life. I have had bad church experiences, a lot of bad church experiences, not here. 
These are a group of people who embrace each other and say, yes, no matter what you're going through, no matter where you're at, I'm by your side. Go through your stuff. Bring your stuff. I'm not leaving ever. That's what happens at DHC. So if you don't have a place, make this your place. Because we mean what we say. And then the last one is this. Just recognize as you think today and as you reflect today that the big story is just beginning. The big story's not over. The big story has not ended. The big story includes you, right where you're at. Your talents. You're serving. I don't know what it looks like, but here's what I know. You're unique. And so am I. So here's what I just want you to go home with today. I want you to ask yourself this question. How do you fit into this big story? Some of you know. Some of you don't. Ask yourself this. How do you fit into this big story? I closed the first service and just told just a little bit of my story. Because people kind of come in here and they go, who's the dude with the tight jeans on? I don't really know. A number of years ago, God laid it on my heart to start downtown Harbor Church. I had no idea what it would look like. But I started praying. And I started to ask him to put people on my path if he really wanted that to happen. And sure enough, some conversations began. Some interactions happened. And it took it further and further and further to the place where downtown Harbor Church began. And for the first time in my life, I felt like I understood where I fit in this big story. You know how I knew it? Because I've seen people right over there as we open up the museum doors. And usually the jazz brunch is going on, so we can't hear much, but we don't even care because I've seen people get baptized and show that they have a change to life. You just got to find your place in this big story. You got to find your place as Jesus leads you to what to do. And then whatever you're going through, whatever you've done, whatever you've done and reflected on in your life, use it. Even if you're still in the middle of it, use it to help others. Use it to help others experience restoration and redemption. Gang, he is risen. He is risen indeed. And we need to celebrate that today at Downtown Harbor Church. And as you leave here, because he is alive, the grave couldn't hold him. All of these people predicted it. He came and proved it. He is God. I believe it. You should too. Let me pray. Father, for who you are, thank you so much. For who you are, just thank you for sending your son Jesus to this earth. Jesus, you are the risen Messiah. You are who you said that you are. We just tell you that today. We love you and we thank you. God, you are all powerful and almighty. Would you go before us? Would you help us today as we reflect? And Jesus, I just pray that if there's anybody in this room who hasn't said yes to you yet, that they would just open their hearts and say, Jesus, please come into my life. I open my life and heart to you because I believe that you are who you said that you are. I believe maybe for the first time that you are the risen Messiah, that you predicted your own death and resurrection, so I'm with you. God, we know that you'll be so quick to hear and answer those prayers. And God, amongst everything that is said today, amongst every conversation that is had, Amongst every life that is potentially changed, may you be glorified. We love you. In Jesus' name.